1: Social, then you really should be twisted. If it's social, then you really could be leading it. You get now when people say it's so serious. Because you're social, you're a leader, and you're serious.
0: Now, Carrie Kirpin.
1: So, Soul Cycle is a movement. And one of the women at the helm of that movement is Gabby Etrog, the VP of PR and Brand Strategy at SoulCycle. She's been there since they were only five locations, and now they're over 58. You'll hear how they grew and how they use social to help them do it. Welcome Gabby to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm great and I'm so happy to have you on the show today. As I told you, you know, a big big fan of Soul Cycle and the entire movement uh, that has come from Soul Cycle. It's really incredible what you guys have achieved. Thank you so much. We're we're so thrilled to be on the show. Incredible. So before we get to Soul Cycle, I want to learn about you, Gabby. I'd love to learn about how you got to where you are today. Tell me the story of your career.
0: So my career has taken, I think it's, you know, what's interesting is that my career has taken a bunch of turns and I actually had no idea what I wanted to do when I went necessarily when I went to college or even that I'd be where I am now. So to to all the the listeners out there who think they need to know what they want to do when they go to college, you actually have, uh, you don't. Um, I went to college thinking I would be an actress. Um, I got a BFA in theater from Syracuse and spent four years hanging upside down breathing I graduated uh, shortly after 9-11 and there were no jobs. I worked for Club Med for a year and a half in Mexico and, and Colorado and came back to New York and was a creative recruiter for a few years. And in that time, realized I really loved travel, so I went back and while I was working full time, got a master's degree in travel marketing and, and uh, tourism development. And uh, right after I graduated with a master's from NYU, I got into travel and hospitality PR, and that was my entry into the uh, PR world. And that was really where I found my my professional home and worked for an amazing agency for several years called Nancy Friedman PR, and absolutely loved it. And really felt like I had finally settled into my professional professional career, sort of where I was supposed to be, and got recruited to Soul Cycle while I was there and never even considered leaving my job because I loved it so much, but met Julie and Elizabeth and had tried SoulCycle and fell in love with it and took a very, you know, a big leap of faith because at the time there were five studios and it was a, a, still a pretty small company and uh, came over to Soul Cycle and have been here for five
1: and a half years. Wow. Okay, so I have a bunch of questions based on your story. It's an incredible story, actually. And I, I'm I'm really interested in, in your time at the PR agency, PR must have changed a tremendous amount in terms of, uh, you know, kind of the traditional PR and shifting towards more of a digital social approach. Can you talk to me about that sort of experience at the agency as you were going through that? And was that something that was sort of natural or was it something that uh, was more challenging?
0: Absolutely. So I first started out in PR, and we would use this, the like the Burrell book. So yeah. for those of you who don't know, it was it was a huge, basically an encyclopedia where you would look for media contacts. Um, there was no online database. Um, that was how you pitch media, and it, it really was. It, it, it you know when you you feel like you're saying I walked four miles in the snow <laughs> in the snow barefoot. So it was really, it was quite different. There was obviously no, you know, very few online outlets that did not exist. And still to this day, I think, you know, one thing I learned very early on was that there's still a lot of value in getting a story in the New York Times, that there, you know, people are still reading it. And I still read the actual physical paper every day because I like to see where things are placed. And yes, above the fold actually means something to me. Um, that being said, yes, there, you know, it it changes every day now and you have to remain really vigilant about reading constantly, that really keeps you on your toes as a PR person to really understand the changing face of media and how people are consuming media differently. There's no question that people are, you know, consuming media through social media. That's how they're, you know, using it as an aggregate versus necessarily even, you know, following social media to follow social media. Um, But so it's definitely changed and things are moving much quicker and people's attention span is is much shorter. Um, But I think that, certain things still have a weight. And for me, like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal will always be important. Um, yes, there's other things that are you know, equally as important, but it doesn't make them obsolete.
1: I agree completely, by the way. I think that it, it's not completely gone there's it actually makes them I think when you look at publications like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal more special in a way I think if you're looking at those specific types of publications it's, it's a it's a higher level I think than than what it used to be I think it gives more value so tell me a little bit about coming into an organization and you had five five locations and how many locations now uh 58 Wow. So I'm really interested in uh, building and growing your career at an organization that is that fast growing. So in a period of of five years, you've basically grown 10 times really. So when you're looking at that, uh, tell me a little bit what it's like to work in a fast growing organization. Do you experience a lot of the growing pains? How does that, how does that work?
0: You know, I think I, we've been really lucky that it's um, happened really organically. And I think it's because we're all really committed to the mission of the company, um, which is to bring full of the people and find joy in movement. So for us, it's it's really easy to when you feel like you may be making the wrong turn or you get, you know, you feel a little bit lost to go back to what our core mission is. Um, which is really servicing the studios and bringing soul to the people. Um, so really, I think for us staying strong to that mission and staying strong to our core values has been so important to us as we've scaled that it's, it's actually not been as challenging as you know it may, may have been for other companies scaling at a rapid pace.
1: Incredible. And is it the commitment to mission and core values that you attribute the sort of fanatical love of SoulCycle to? When you look at people who love SoulCycle, they love it. It's not like they just like it, they live it. Um, And is that, do you think that's all about the mission and and living what you kind of stand for? A hundred percent.
0: I think it's really important for our employees to live, eat, and breathe SoulCycle because if they do, then our riders do, and it really starts with our employees. And so if we're living our core values and we are treating each other in the way we want to treat our riders, and our riders feel it. And we actually just launched a program for, um, called Soul It Forward where we have these pins that are our, our core values. And when we see one of our core values, we'll give them a pin. We call it Soul It Forward. So one of them is, for example, we care that every rider matters and every ride matters and we take care of each other, our studios and our offices and, this, and, and each other. So like when we see someone doing that, we give it to them. And the idea is that like we are soling it forward and watch, and it feels so good to give it, and it actually feels better to give than to get. And if we're doing that to each other, imagine how we're doing that for our riders.
1: I love it. So, question about social media. So, when you're taking your approach to social media at Soul Cycle, does much of it come from the community itself or is it something that is it is it community driven, is it brand driven, is it a little bit of both? Tell me a little bit about your social strategy.
0: Initially, social really started at, was an extension of our community in our studios and a way for us to continue the conversation outside our studios. And now, it, you know, it still is really very much our, a digital community is the version of what happens in our studios. It's how you continue that conversation. Our riders, we think about our rider relationship as really a, um, it really starts from the moment you book the bike and the conversation and getting excited for that class to the moment you clip into that bike, to the moment you clip off that bike and how you're going to continue that conversation about how amazing was that third song or didn't you think you couldn't push past that after that arm series. And then continuing again until you book that next class, it really is a a continuation of the conversation. And, you know, for many of us, it just never ends. So it's really about creating community digitally that is an extension of the community that happens in our classroom.
1: And so when you're looking at the continuing of the conversation and you're looking at creating this community digitally, how are you measuring the success of what you do? So looking at social, when you do a campaign or you see things happening, how do you know whether or not it's successful? Are you looking at likes, engagement, reach? What are you attributing? Is it more more people on bikes? Where is it?
0: It's, it's a mix, and it really depends on what we're doing, right? So if it's a Movember campaign and it's a new rider acquisition campaign, we can easily say we pushed this on, you know, we we did an Instagram campaign with a video, but we also, it was a new rider campaign, and we were able to see that we saw, you know, 20% more new riders than we normally do in that month. So that's, you know, certainly an easy way to, an easy metric. Um, but sometimes it's just in life or it's engagements or it's an increase of um, Instagram followers or, you know, retweets it really depends on each campaign and what we're looking at um which metrics
1: we're looking at and so do you generally set metrics before a campaign starts like this is what we're looking to do with this particular campaign we do and what's a campaign that you're really proud of something that you've done in social that you're really excited about
0: uh, you know, I think most recently, one of the things that we're most proud of is our Soul Cycle uh, Soul Scholarship Program, where we're bringing in underprivileged youth through Soul Cycle. And it's, a, it's an eight week program where they ride with us twice a week. And at the end of the year, we produced a video to um, show what we've done over the last year. And it was, uh, you know, the video was a huge success, but more than anything, we just got to share the Impact that these kids are having in our studios and on our staff, and that to me was um, you know, it's really as again, as much as we are giving to them, they are giving so much more to us.
1: And how do you determine as social media changes and there are lots of new networks and new opportunities? How do you determine what networks are best for Soul Cycle?
0: I think part of it is a little that sometimes it's a wait and see, right? Because sometimes yeah. we're not ready to make up, you know, to adapt immediately. You just, you have to sometimes see what's working for other, whether it's brands or other celebrities or other people first. And sometimes we do small tests and see what it, you know, how it works and what does it work for our riders. Do we think even it'll work for us as individuals? And then we say, Hey, I tried this with my friends and I really liked it. Um, You know, you know, there's certain things like Periscope or Meerkat where it was like an amazing hit and then, you know, they sort of fall off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I think often you, you know, I think it's a mix. Sometimes you have to just wait and see and see how they they uh, they handle in the marketplace. And some of them you actually have to take a risk. I think you always have to weigh the risk reward and uh, and, you know, see if it's worth it.
1: And have you over time seen the usage pattern of Soul Cycle riders change? Have they been primarily um, on, you know, were they really active on Twitter at one point and then they shifted to Snapchat? Have you seen a, a shift in how they use social?
0: Absolutely. I'd say, you know, Twitter was our, obviously our largest social media tool, Twitter and Facebook, and now Instagram and Snapchat are our largest growing uh, social media platforms.
1: So much more of a shift to visual, I would say. Without question. I also think uh, brands in the wellness space, any kind of fitness or wellness space uh, are all about the visual, are all about, you know, showing that the incredible after effects, the sweat, you know, the the post-workout picture is like a big deal. So I think a lot of that happens visually.
0: For sure. And, you know, I think sweat, we always say sweat is sexy. Sweat is beautiful. You know, people are like, don't take a picture of me. But I actually feel like the best, most strongest version of myself after a full cycle class.
1: I actually feel exactly the same way. I think that, and I actually, I see that a lot with, especially instructors. And you look at people, they they understand that sweat is what actually is involved in making you beautiful and glow and all of these great things. You always feel like you look your best in that way. So tell me a little bit about your favorite Networks, what do you use personally, and does working in this space make you want to shut off when you get home, or are you somebody who's like always on? Instagram is my favorite, I'm super visual. You've obviously been immersed in this space for a long time. When you get home, do you shut it off? Do you stay on? What you know, are you living in it and breathing it every day?
0: I'm always on, and I have always been, and that being said, I do make a commitment to shutting down when I get home from work for at least an hour and a half. I have two young children, and I think it's very important to be fully present with them. So I try to make the time with them that I have when I get home from work sacred. Uh, I do reconnect after they go to bed, but at least for an hour and a half, we really do play and have fun. And I, um, unless it's an emergency, I I disconnect from work.
1: I think it's a great thing when, for me as a mom as well, you know, coming home, disconnecting, and then reconnecting is such a great sort of experience because it gives you, you're allowed to give into the fact that you love to work. You love to engage digitally, uh, but taking that time is so, so important. I have that exact, that exact same role in our house. I love that. Love it. It's the best. Okay. So tell me where people should follow SoulCycle, best places for them to follow SoulCycle and where people should connect with you. Uh,
0: Best places for us is our Instagram, which is at SoulCycle. Um, and we're on Snapchat, which is the same. Um, but all of our social media platforms are fantastic. Um, but my favorite is Instagram. Um, and I am at Gabby Echo on every social media platform. I am not great on Snapchat. I'm going to be totally honest. Um, but I'm trying. And, but, but I'm, I'm definitely, my, I think, my best on Instagram.
1: I think that the only way to get really good at Snapchat is just to keep using it. It's it's the first network, I always talk about this, that it's counterintuitive uh, for people who are, you know, over a certain age at all. If you're over like 25, it's like very challenging because you it's just a different user experience. And it's like not intuitive. But then once you use it, I think you, you kind of get the hang of it more. I think it's the key is for brand marketers to actually use it for themselves. And then they understand the usage much, much better. Yeah, now I can see. Awesome. So Gabby, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.